With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the show that looks to take you in the mind of Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, the show that gets you thinking about everything when it comes to the roster and how we craft a team that can win the seventh Lombardi. Is it a team that can go on to win an eighth Lombardi, a ninth Lombardi? Who knows, maybe in you know the next five to six to seven to eight to nine to ten seasons, it's a tenth Lombardi. But we're going to focus on 2021 first and that seventh Lombardi first. So I thought this week, let's crack into a player that Steelers fans probably weren't really expecting the Steelers to draft. He's a big unit of a man. We saw that this week in rookie minicamp. He stood what I really think, you know, maybe it was the camera angle because Louder Milk's a pretty big bloke, but, you know, uh, he looked like he stood head and shoulders above the rest. Maybe the photo I was looking at, maybe Louder Milk wasn't even in there, but I think he was. I think it was the angle, but he was still head and shoulders above most of the other teammates. And that's Dan Brown Jr. Pick 128 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Offensive tackle out of Texas A&M. Six foot five, 315 pounds. Really, really interesting player. I really liked the Dan Brown pick at the... I didn't. I was 50-50 on it at the time. Not that I didn't like that we drafted a tackle. Not that I didn't like like that we got someone that was part one in one of the All SEC teams. Not that I didn't like someone 
you know, that, that was a fairly rene- like top player in terms of who that he was going to be taking in the draft. Not that I didn't like a player that looked like he had a nasty streak, that he was tough, that he could be ready to go. Not that I didn't like a player that could challenge a Chooks or a Banner potentially, or at least make them have to work that bit harder. No, I think it's just that we just don't know when you get to the fourth round. The Steelers have really great experience. We know that in bringing offensive, you know, linemen through. We know that, you know, there's guys like, you know, Marcus Gilbert and Kelvin Beecham and, and those sorts of guys that have come through and really, really been able to develop. So let's look at Dan Brown Jr. Dan Brown Jr., as I said just before, was the 15th tackle taken in the draft in a deep tra- tackle class. He was the pick the 23rd pick in round four PFF before the draft had him listed as 285 on their big board. So that's actually technically outside because we know this is the 256 picks in, in the draft. Gil Brandt, interestingly, who we should remember was, you know, the VP of player um, personnel at the Cowboys for over 29, se- 29 years, 29 seasons. You know, he had Dan Moore as the seventh best value pick of the draft. He actually would have picked Daniel Brown Jr., 65 picks before he was picked. So he wanted him in just outside, you know, the top two rounds, just inside the early of the third round. I said, I think just before Daniel Jeremiah had him as the 139th best prospect out of 150. And that's really interesting as well, because you can see there that we've got some real value at the position, given that we picked him at 128 there, you know, do you give or take 10? Would he have been there later on? You know, there were a few other tackles and offensive offensive guards taken, you know, in that round four position. So whether he would have been there, I guess, is another question as well. If, you know, we'd waited to 140. I thought it was also interesting when we when you go back and you look at what he was able to do, um, you know, in high school, going into college, in high school, the consensus was that he was a three-star recruit, whether that was by prep star, whether that was by scout. You know, I think ESPN had him as a three-star as well there. 2747 Sports had him as a three-star. You know, scout ranked him as the nation's 47th best defensive guard, the eighth best guard in Texas and the ninth best in the Midland region. ESPN had him as the number 73rd offensive guard in the nation, number 150th in the state of Texas, you know, in terms of player, number 194th best player in the Midlands region. 247 Sports rated him as the 39th best offensive guard in the nation and the number 104th best player in the state of Texas. 2017, he appeared in eight games, earning a start at right tackle at Florida in in, sorry, 2017 that was. In 2018, he started all 13 games, helping the Aggies gain 5,590 total yards on the season and received a sophomore academic award at the team's annual banquet. In 2019, he started all 13 games. He made the start in the season opening win in over Texas State, clearing the way for a pair of 100-yard rushes, helped the Aggies tally over 600 yards of offense in the win over Lamar, helped the Aggies rack up over 200 rushing yards as they scored four times on the ground and finished the Mississippi State game with 441 yards of offense. He helped hold the line for the Aggies to tally over 500 yards of offense, including 267 rushing yards against UTSA. He cleared the way for a pair of 100-yard rushes as the Aggies racked up 319 yards on the ground against South Carolina. In 2020, 
He started all 10 games, logging 691 snaps at left tackle. He was named second team All-SEC. He served as a team captain in the season opener, made the start at left tackle, and helped clear the way for Isaiah Spiller's fifth career 100-yard rushing game in the season opening win over Vanderbilt. He held the line and allowed the Aggies to tally 450 yards of total offense at Alabama. He helped the Aggies rack up 543 yards of offense in the win over Florida, including 205 on the ground. He protected quarterback Kellen Mond and did not allow a sack for the third straight game while also only giving up one tackle for a loss on the final play of the game at Mississippi State. He helped extend the streak of not allowing a sack for the fourth straight game in the win over Arkansas. He helped the Aggies tally 530 yards of total offense in the dominating 48-3 win at South Carolina, including 264 on the ground. He earned SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week honors for his performance against the Gamecocks. He helped pave the way for Isaiah Spill's 141 rushing yard performance in the win over LSU, rolled over the Tiger defense for a season-high 313 yards rushing in the victory at Auburn, contributed to a 497 total offensive yard performance um, in the win at Tennessee, helped the Aggies tally 457 yards of total offense in the 41-27 to Orange Bowl victory over North Carolina as a unit was named a finalist for the John Moore Award, Joe Moore Award, named to the Outland Trophy watch list as well as the preseason coaches, all SEC third team. Wow, there's some acc- accolades there. But to me... What stands out in all of that is a key thing that we've been talking about this offseason. All the Steelers have been really questioned about, and that's the run game. How many times when I was just talking there for a couple of minutes, when I was looking through some of, you know, his biography, you know, his last few years, did you hear about allowed this running back, you know, to get 100 yards, you know, in a 100-yard game or allowed, you know, the Aggies to rack up, you know, several hundred yards worth of total offense or several hundred yards of even of rushing. You heard captain throwing in there as well. You heard not allowing a sack. You heard about a nasty streak. That's what I like about this pick. You know, we've talked so much about whether the Steelers have gotten better in the run game or not. They have gotten better in the run game. They've gotten better because they, they drafted Dan Brown Jr. They've gotten better because they drafted Najee Harris or Najee Harris. They've gotten better because they had, they've got Kevin Dotson last year who now will get to play with it in a Matt Canada offense. They've now gotten better because they've got rid of Sean Surratt and they've got Adrian Clem in there that's ready to teach these guys. The guys like Zach Banner and Kevin Dotson are so happy to learn for and lift their game for. You've got a guy like Kendrick Green, who we talked about a bit about last week, coming in with a mean streak. Imagine Dotson at left guard, assuming that they don't move over David DeCastro to left guard and then put Rotson, Dotson where he you know, probably naturally would be playing at right guard. Imagine if you've got a Dan Brown there, Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, David DeCastro, and then you've got Zach Banner on the right. To me, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that offensive line. And you know what? If Brown's not ready, yes, you've got Chooks ready to go. But I like that Chooks and Banner are going to have to really be pushed, hopefully, hopefully when we come to the bigger camps by Dan Brown Jr. But I think this is the sort of bloke, as I said earlier, at six foot five, 315 pounds, that's willing to do that. But as I said before, the Steelers sort of got a little bit of criticism around the pick. 
you know, people sort of, should they have gone offensive tackle earlier? Is it too late to support the run game there? Even though, as I said, we've got a guy like a Chooks, we've got a guy like, you know, Zach Banner, there's guys on the roster like a Joe Haig as well. Um, you know, there's still a couple of tackles technically sitting out there. They could go after that a bit more veteran. So I thought, who are the other fourth round picks that we should really be thinking about, you know, that we're going to balance this from? And I thought, what better, what better than to look at the AFC North? So in the AFC North, um, you know, in the fourth round, the Cleveland Browns selected James Hudson out of Cincinnati in, with pick 110 and Tommy Tokii, defensive tackle at Ohio State, who there was a bit of a preview on before the draft and behind the steel curtain. Um, you know, the one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers on site. Then obviously we drafted Dan Moore Jr., as I've been talking about, offensive tackle at Texas A&M. Then we drafted Buddy Johnson, his teammate who played linebacker, who's going to play, you know, inside linebacker, middle linebacker for the Steelers. In the Cincinnati Bengals drafted Cameron Sample off the edge from um, Tulane. Telva, they drafted at one pick, pick 122, Tyler Shelvin, defensive tackle, LSU. And then with pick 139, they drafted Deontay Smith, offensive tackle, East Carolina. Now that would suggest if we had swapped and we'd pick someone else at 128 and then maybe waited to 140 to get Dan Brown Jr., we might not have got him. You know what, that? We might not have got him. And then the Browns, they picked Tylan Wallace um, at Oklahoma State at pick 131. I said before that he was the 139th best best prospect on uh, Daniel Jeremiah's draft. You know, draft pros- top 150 draft prospects released, you know, a couple of days before the actual draft occurred. James Hudson, um, who the Browns took, he was ranked, you know, 97. Tylan Wallace, uh, who the Ravens, you know, drafted, he was ranked 95. Um, and then when it comes to Cincinnati Bengals, you know, from in terms of their players, I think they had a couple in there as well in that fourth round. But really, really, yeah, Deontay Smith was number 100. So you might sit there and you say, hang on, did the Bengals do better drafting Deontay Smith out of East Carolina at 139 when he was the 100th best prospect? I mean, that's just one person in Daniel Jeremiah. It's an interesting one. It is an interesting one because when you look at Dan... Dan Brown Jr. He fits what we needed to do, and that was to get nastier. But when you compare the players, you know, and you look at some of the different traits that they that they have, um, you know, physically they're really similar. You know, Deontay Smith is is sitting down there at six foot five, three hundred and five pounds, thirty five inch arms, nine and seven eight inch hands. You know, he had a grade of five point nine three. Um, you know, Dan Moore Jr. had a grade of 5.86, six foot five and a half, 311 pounds, 30 and this is according to NFL, um, dot com, 34 and a half inch arms, hands 10 and one eighth inches. So they're really similar. We're talking 10 picks, really, really similar. But then I think there's a bit of an intri- difference in the weaknesses and the strengths, you know. The strengths of a Deontay Smith is tremendously long, 85-inch wingspan, 35-inch arms, punches well-timed and has some snap on it, keeps scrambling in recoveries and will find wins, lateral foot quickness to make back backside, playside, reach blocks, good rhythm as a workup blocker to the second level, looks to get a strong finish once he takes lead as a run blocker, length helps with last-second redirection blocks. Then he has almost as many weaknesses. Narrow throughout waist, hips, and chest, has struggled to keep enough weight in his frame, 
way too much lean and reach in his play. He needs to trust his length and foot quickness more often. Upper body strength is way below par. Struggles to press, extend, and separate at the point of attack. Gets tossed around by powerful opponents. Rover reacts in pass protection, creating easy counter shots. Doesn't have body control or block sustain teams look for. Let's look at Dan Moore. Three is starter. Play consistent in 2020. Pass protection movements are athletic. That's great when we think about Ben Roethlisberger. And we've talked about, you know, his potential in the run game, but, you know, that bodes well when it comes to pass protection, if that if that scouting profile is correct. You know, decent patience um, there against rush counters. Adequate recovery anchor against the bull rush. Quality ability as a cut blocker. Mindful of footwork and technique on double teams. Runs feet to secure washdown blocks on the outside zone. We know the Steelers will look to play some outside zone, particularly with a Najee Harris there in a Matt Canada offense as well. So that's a real plus. Um, showed off quality second level adjustments against Arkansas. Let's look at the weakness. Outside hands are too wide, causing him to gather rather than punch. A bit of a heel clicker at times in pass slides. Needs to pick a target and fully commit when faced with the blitz. Doesn't feel long enough to control the point of attack and execute kickouts. Would like to see more aggression into the first contact as a run run blocker. Inconsistent body control and positioning to consistently secure his block. Rarely controls the action with strong hands. Below average demeanor as a block finisher. Yet there's that nastiness and that aggressiveness that we've talked about. That's what Adrian Clem talked about and why they drafted him. I don't know about you, but things like upper body strength, way below par, lack of trust in foot quickness, way too much lean, struggle to keep weight in his frame, narrow through the waist, hips, and chest, gets tossed around by powerful opponents, struggles to press, extend, and separate a point of attack. Those weaknesses of a guy like a Deontay Smith, even though he's got a higher grade, even though you know he's a higher prospect, you know, according to Daniel Jeremiah, they're weaknesses that I. I think can really be a struggle. When I look at Dan Moore Jr., things like, you know, needing to be even a bit more aggressive, be more consistent in body control, look at using your hands, you know, being a better block finisher, you know, um, focusing on punching, needs to pick a target and commit. I just, these are things that sound like coaching will give a benefit. And that's what I'm really excited by when it comes to this prospect for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's why you should be too. But hey, that wraps up Steel's War in part one of this week. Stay tuned for part two. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steel fans, welcome back to part two of Steel's War Room. So what are we going to look at in part two? We're going to look at the other fourth round pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Buddy Johnson. Buddy Johnson, out of Texas A&M, played his whole career there. 
inside linebacker. We've been inside linebacker, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's someone that some fans like, do we really need to spend a fourth round pick? So you might have sat there and went, good. Happy with Dan Brown Jr. Not so happy with Buddy Johnson. Then it's like we brought back Vince. We brought back Robert Spillane. You know, we cut Vince and brought him back. And, you know, there was rumors we're still going to bring back Adrian Williamson. You know, there's Marcus Allen there. It's, in, it's beginning to be an interesting inside linebacker room. You're probably sitting there going, well, Buddy, you know, for those of you that are following it, particularly Buddy Johnson will play a lot of special teams this year. It's probably not till 2022, 2023 that we're really caring about what he's necessarily doing, um, you know, week in, week out from, you know, being part of the actual rotation or, or starting at the inside linebacker position. And I thought, let's compare him to a guy like Vince Williams. Now, we know Vince Williams was taken out of the sixth round for the Pittsburgh Steelers, 206th overall versus 140th overall, you know, in, in this draft some eight years later. But again, we probably think that Vince, you know, particularly when you think about how many games he started in his first year due to the injury to Larry Fort, you know, he's someone that, you know, when you look at his performance, you could realistically see him taken out of the fourth round. So let's go through it. Um, so they both, and it's interesting because they both played four seasons. The difference being is that Vince um, played, he played 13 um, games in, in his like, career high was 13 games there. Same as Buddy Johnson. Um, they both played less games in their senior year. Um, you know, in terms of total tackles, you know, across the four years, um, you know, where Vince played, you know, a few more games, a few more games um, than Buddy Johnson. He had total number of 139 tackles versus 108 uh, for Buddy, you know, tackles for a loss. Um, Vince only had 12 and a half, whereas Buddy had 23 and a half. These are obviously career numbers. In terms of sacks, you know, their Buddy had six and a half versus Vince's three. So that's quite interesting there. The Buddy's getting to the, getting to the quarterback more too. They both had one interception. Buddy was able to take it for double the length of it, if you want to call it that. In terms of pass defenses, you know, Buddy has four versus Vince's two. Fumble recoveries, Buddy had two versus Vince's none. And Buddy also had three forced fumbles. So you're looking at it and you start to see through some of those stats. Like, hang on a second. This Buddy Johnson pick might be, this might be a bit, you know, a little bit backed up here. This Buddy Johnson pick, you know, actually... Hang on, he does offer something here. And then when you think about the size of them as well, you know, the, the, they're, they're a similar sort of size player. You know, we talked about Buddy Johnson being a bit quicker potentially as well. I think Vince has obviously got a lot more weight behind him. Um, but, you know, they're still fairly big bodied, you know, inside linebacker. You've also, the thing with Buddy is that he's obviously going to get bigger as he goes through that program and the weights and the conditioning that goes with being a professional player. And no doubt, you know, he might whack on the best part of 15 to 20 pounds. But I thought there are a couple of interesting things when we look at Buddy Johnson going back to his draft profile before the draft. You know, the analysis, you know, from Pro Football Network was that he was a good fit for an inside 3-4 alignment. Um, he's got a very big special teams mentality. I know my co-host of Steelers Touchdown Under, Mark Davison, is super keen to watch Buddy Johnson light someone up. He's the dark, you know, the dark horse or the unexpected player um, to root for. You know, and I think that that's interesting when you look at where you know he's come from from Texas A&M. There, you know, fits you know were originally seen before the draft as being guys like the Denver Broncos, the Green Bay Packers, Los Angeles Rams. Um, 
you know, from a three, four perspective. So I think it's interesting, you, you know, he's been picked there in the Steelers, you know, from an NFL.com perspective, they looked at him as a draft grade of 6.13, a good backup who could become a starter, you know, from that perspective, they thought he did a bit of everything, you know, in high school as a senior, he was a four-star prospect. He played 12 games in 2017, 20 tackles, one and a half for a loss, 2018, 27 tackles, five for a loss. You know, in his junior campaign, he led AM with 77 tackles, nine and a half for a loss with one sack and 13 starts. He plays the squad in tax. He plays, paced the squad in tackles again as a senior, posting 86, eight and a half for a loss with four sacks, you know, in his final year while intercepting a pass, which he returned to score. He broke up three others and forced two fumbles in 10 starts. Um, you know, it's funny. His mom actually gave him his name, Buddy Lee, because he looked like the Lee Blue Jeans, the guy from the Lee Blue Jeans commercials when he was a toddler. I just think that's a bit interesting when it comes to Buddy Johnson. You know, the draft network, they definitely said that, you know, pass coverage is where one of his biggest improvements will need to come. We sort of expect that out of a lot of a lot of defenders, particularly at the linebacker position or the edge position. Um, they talk about a lot of stiffness in the hips that could negatively affect him in both man and zone coverage. Um, you know, but he could be a really great combination between a standout special teams player and a down-the-line depth middle linebacker. Um, you know, so I think there's some interesting things for Steelers fans to think about because, it's about what you expect out of that pick. We've all got to remember that from that fourth round onwards, it can be very much a, you know, a bit of a lottery in terms of whether guys are going to start. It's, it's a project. We don't want a complete project. We want someone that's, you know, standing in there and has got a good chance of not only just making the roster for, for several seasons or throughout their rookie contract, but it's actually going to make a difference and not just on special teams as well. I really liked also that what one of the area scouts from an AOC team, some information they gave, um and i just wonder was this the pittsburgh Steelers? they said good person took on a leadership role there over the last couple of years and was a big reason why they were so focused on defense this year but i think it's pretty cool it's pretty cool let's scale it away from these stats let's look at these two players that i've talked about in this week's show buddy johnson dan brown jr you go to college now it'd be cool i mean you know if these guys were both on offense together it might be different but I think they played with special teams together. But if you look at Dan Brown Jr. and you look at Buddy Johnson, they're two teammates. They went to the same school, school, you know, or college. They come from the same system. They've had the same, you know, much the same coaching or coaching philosophy, scheme, what have you. They've ridden the highs together. It's really nice that they've got each other in Pittsburgh as well. You know, we've seen, you know, Mason and James Washington, and we don't quite know just how much Mason Rudolph's come on. We know James Washington's grandpa strong. We know James Washington can make, you know, some great catches there. But I just wonder what that di- that the difference is when you bring in, you know, and obviously it's different the relationship between a quarterback and a wide receiver. And we saw that with this year's NFL draft, you know, just how many wide receivers were picked, you know, to go to teams, that where they they had their quarterback college like you know Jamar Chase with um with Joe Burrow I think Waddle went to you know Miami you know you start to see some of those sort of combinations there and I think it's quite interesting from that perspective but you've got to think that when it comes to the adjustment having a teammate would really really help you and I think it's cool that they got drafted in the fourth round together. So I'm just excited to see what they can do. And I'm bringing them up as well. It's funny. I talked about the mark, you know, wanted to see Buddy Johnson light it up. I wanted to see Dan Dan Brown light it up. And that's why I wanted to talk to talking about him on this week's podcast, because 
these two players are guys that, you know, you got to remember, you know, Mark and I, as the co-host of Touchdown, we're on the other side of the world, but we know what it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. We know what we want out of, you know, guys that are aiming to become Pittsburgh Steelers. We know about Texas football. We know about guys that are giving it their all. The other thing too is that you've got guys, you know, in both players, you've got guys that have had four college seasons as well. So while the Steelers traditionally like to draft a bit younger, you've actually got a situation where you've got some we've got some guys that have that bit more experience. And that might, you know, mean all all the more when we talk about, you know, a shorter off season, potential COVID impacts, the rest of it equally. You know, there are a lot of seniors, you know, or guys, you know, that have played even three years in college right now that have been really impacted in terms of the number of games, you know, they've played due to COVID. And if you factor in that they might have been injured before that or, you know, know what have you, or even, you know, during their COVID year, they're not, they just don't have that body of work that, you know, that we might be used to. Now, before we wrap up this week's show, I want to just do uh, cover a couple more things in terms of some free agents. It's been rumored that the Steelers are definitely in the in the mark, free agent market, particularly when it comes to ed, edge rushes. You know, just going through those sorts of guys. These are some of the household names that are still on the board. Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston. We know Ryan Kerrigan's now off the board. Um, some of the Eagles, Trent Murphy, Everson Griffin, um, Alex o- you know, Okafor. You've got Ezekiel Anza, um, Jabal Sheehan, Aaron Lynch. You know, technically there's Jaron Elliott, but I don't know why you'd go and sign him with some of those other names we've mentioned still available. Please, please, hopefully they don't go after Anthony Chicolo again. You know, but there's some of the names um, that are, you know that are still out there in terms of those free agents, free agents as well. When it comes to the linebacker position, we just talked about Buddy Johnson, but you know there are definitely you know some players out there if we really wanted to look at. I sort of give this update each week. It feels like at the moment, but you know, Quan Alexander, KJ Wright, Devonde Devonde Campbell, Avery Williamson, Tahir Whitehead, BJ Goodison, um, Patrick Onwusu. You know, technically Michael Kendricks is out there as well, and Nick Zumba. Um, you know, so there are there are some names out there that they could go after. We talked about how thin it was at the tackle position, though. There's really none of the top tackles available. You know, any you know anymore now that Eric Fisher signed that deal. You know, from a right tackle perspective, you know that Mitchell Swartz is still out there. I think Ricky Wagner's still out there available and they're really interesting players. I do think Demar Dotson, you know, will likely retire. I just wanted to sort of say, you know, if the Steelers start thinking that anyone's struggling, you know, do you put Zach Banner at the left tackle position? Do you allow Mitchell Swartz to come in and play that right tackle? Some people, you know, think he was terrible for the amount of money that he was paid. Others think, you know, really highly of him. You know, I think it comes down to who's around him as well. You know, when you, you're all lining up, you know, against, you know, next to David DeCastro, I think you're going to be doing all right, you know, regardless of who you've got there at the center position. But it all just depends. You know, it all really just depends. The other position that I wanted to just quickly bring up was running back. Um, I think running back's a really interesting proposition for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. You know, do you really keep a Benny Snell on the roster? I mean, do you do we really think he's going to do anything? McFarlane deserves a little bit more time. But, I mean, here are some of the names that are available. Todd Gurley, Duke Johnson, Rex Burkhead, T.Y. Yeldon, Dion Lewis, Chris Thompson, Devonta Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, Adrian Peterson, Alfred Morris, Frank Gore, Le'Veon Bell, DeAndre Washington, Ido Smith, Deontay F- Foreman. 
you know, and then there are a few others as well. Kareth White, who we know is an ex-dealer. But there's some of the names there. And I think it's quite interesting when you look at those names because there's some big names. There's some guys that have done it previously. But then I can look through the list of all those players. 27, 28, 31, 28, 31, 29, 33, 36, 33, 38, uh, 29, 28, 26, 25. You know, most of those numbers I just said were between 28 and 38. So that raises a question for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have to get your rookie running backs right. You have to get Snell and McFarland right because we know that Najee Harris is not going to be able to play a full season and get to do something effectively in the postseason. He may even have some niggles. He may even have some, you know you know a mid you know mid season injury for a while that keeps him out for six to eight weeks. We need the depth pieces, um, you know you know, from the running back position. And there are a few names on this. That even if they decide to maturity to the locker room for the offseason, I think I think there's a couple more signings to come from the Pittsburgh Steelers. But that's enough of me playing Ostradamus, you know, as they put forward this week in the touchdown under show. But join me for next week. Really excited for next week's podcast. Already started to get some ideas about what we're going to do with that one. I'm keen to continue with a bit of an AFC North comparison. I think it's really helpful for us to see, you know, with some of these picks, who else was picked. Um, we didn't go into that day with Buddy Johnson because we kind of talked about that fourth round with Dan Brown Jr. But hey, until next week, sit back, relax, enjoy all the content on behindthestillcurtain.com or through podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts in terms of platform, you know, whether it's the YouTube shows as well. We're excited to keep talking everything Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a massive season ahead. Be inspired by this draft class. They might just surprise you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.